Hey folks, it's Andy from Geek Salad. I just want to let you know that for this episode, we ran into some audio issues where we ended up having to record the last half of the episode separately from the first half. So if you notice any differential in the sound, it's not your audio player. It's just us having to re-record. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 134. Thanks. All I think he is. <laughs> I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how do you become king, then? The Lady of the Lake, her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite, held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords, is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Be quiet! Oh, but you can't expect to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. Shut up! Oh, but if I went round saying I was an emperor just because some moistened bint had lobbed a scimitar at me, they'd put me away. Shut up! Will you shut up? Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh. Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help! Help! I'm being repressed, bloody peasant! Oh, what a giveaway. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, eh? When lights are around the table, we dance where we're able. We do routine to call a scene to put work in bed cable. We dine well here in Camelot, we eat ham and jam and spam Welcome, Saxon Invaders, to Geek Salad episode 134. Sir, not appearing in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. I'm also Joe. All right. And I just want to just point out to a few people who are in the know. Originally, we were going to record this show on Wednesday. It is now Thursday. So I just have to take a moment because somebody had to get married. Sorry. Not sorry. And <laughs> delay our podcast. So, uh, Catherine and Joe, congratulations yeah. from everybody at King Salad. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. Yay. Thanks. Now we got to go find that clip. There you go, Joe. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. That's, that's you think that's bad? We're going to eat him when I he comes the winner. All right. So today we are talking all about King Arthur in pop culture. And I promise you, folks, we're going to hold off till almost the end to turn this into the Monty Python and the Holy Grail show. No, we're not. Goodbye. <laughs> well, we'll make reference. Really not really. Hashtag. <laughs> So anyway, before we begin our show, there are a few uh, things from social media that people wanted to talk about in terms of King Arthur. So we're going to start off with uh, Twitter. At at Cape Cod, our good buddy, brought up the Arthurian legend peaked with John Borman's literal hard-on for plate mail (laughs) in Excalibur. Oh, yeah. Remember when one guy used the period-accurate setting uh, to post Roman Britain? Then everyone did. Now they won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, a topic so deeply plumbed that there's even a neo-pagan feminist rage version. 
well, that well, well, neo-pagan well. feminist rage version, or as I call it, my own personal Vietnam. Oh, I know. <laughs> Mary that. Zimmer Bradley's The Mist of Avalon. Yep. Hey, I like that book. Oh my God, you're such a woman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, know that they'll never find what's left of you, right? Of course, yes. <laughs> Please, I, he's my ride home. <laughs> I can wait. I don't dress sick anymore. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Who's uh, the woman? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let's take a minute here because I think this is something we can kind of get a little on topic about. The Mist of Avalon. I had to read that in possibly, possibly, maybe it was just the timing. I was at SUNY Purchase and most of my literary classes that I was taking were being, um, my, almost my professors were very, very, very strong women. <laughs> Why don't you just say it, Andy? Bold, big, bold, comic sans, <laughs> underlined three times with shadow font, strong women. <laughs> did they wear flannel? Just no, say it, Andy. No, no, they did not. No, they yeah. did not. I they wore flannel? We all did. It was the 90s. This yeah, is what we really? did. <laughs> We all dress like we rolled out of bed. A homeless person's bed. Um, I think he should have said plaid. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember very Did little about this. Did you listen to this. Katie Lang? Huh? Did you listen to Katie Lang? No. <laughs> and we keep dropping the 90 <laughs> It allegedly justified the incest that produces Mordred. Right. Which, you can't justify that. You haven't read the fucking book. I really. haven't actually. There you go. They kind of, they kind of, you know that. They always have to explain it one way or another. In that particular version, they explained it that way. Um, because Mordred just can't be an evil bastard. He has to be a reason for that. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to put the bastard back in evil bastard. Right. Well, I no, thought that was pretty original, clear anyway. I would say the original Mallory version just played him off as an evil bastard. It, it was, it was, it was one of the more fully developed versions of Mordred that I've experienced. Right. And it's because you got to know more about Morgana in that than I think you would have Mor in like Morgane, yeah. Morgane, Morgane yeah, sorry. See how much of this I've tried to cast out by like yeah. killing my brain cells the with hot alcohol. Alright. But yeah, it's it's it is what it is, and all the spin offs afterwards just get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But the OG isn't that bad. Did you ever see the the TV movie? I did. They cut, you know, and having listened to the audiobook to fall asleep to through most of college, <laughs> um, they cut out a lot. <laughs> You're going to cost that man a laptop, you know that, right? <laughs> it's scotch guarded. We're okay. <laughs> no, that's the other bottle. Oh, <laughs> shit. Thank you, 3M. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Eh. There's, there, are, there are parts where the, it the, goes right off the rails. The TV movie, I watched it with Autumn, and Autumn was even like, this is, just, let's just say not good. Yeah, it was very, very light on all the parts that people find important to them. And the other thing, too, was just the, um, somebody went, you know, like, went through a, a Tower Records and went through world music and just found <laughs> nothing but Celtic music. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm happy that Rian McKenna got a paycheck. Yeah. For doing that, but come on, guys. Um, all right, so from Facebook, we had a lot of, um, of, of cool requests. Some of the stuff was on our list already. Some of it was not. 
One thing that was on our list, John Saul had mentioned the once and future king. To which I replied, duh. <laughs> um, seriously. Eloquent as usual. Yes, exactly. Um, never read, read it. I haven't read it yet, no. No, I haven't read it either. Fascinating like, radio, folks. Fascinating. Yeah. This I, is going to be hilarious if everybody responded, duh, and then none of us have read it. I never respond to well, Here's I the thing, though. <laughs> I never respond It does tie in to a movie we're going to talk about a little bit, Sword and Stone. Because The Once and Future King is kind of the happy story of young Arthur. The happy take on it. The happy take on it. This is about the on only on one there is. Yeah, exactly. Arthur is not a happy story. Nah. Um, no, actually, one thing we can nice. talk about, uh, Catherine, and this ties into Matt Jones's comment. Um, he says, I wish you had been in HGW's Camelot. It's almost his own podcast right there. I told him that we were, uh, you and I, Catherine, had done the um, acting box for original high school Camelot the following year. Yeah, you were Pelinor. Yeah. And I was on the costume crew. Originally, I was supposed to be on the basement. And then uh, Jeff could never get out on cue. Yes. So they made me his personal dresser. <laughs> yes. And that, that put me on the backstage, and eventually I was in backstage helping five guys, an un, unpopular girl in school, helping five guys in and out of all their clothes except for their spandex tights that they all had to wear. <laughs> it was the, and also that the first time I was I was on him, uh, excuse me. <laughs> this is the woman I just married, bro. <laughs> when I was helping Jeff. Instead of being late for his cues, he was early, and he turned around and said, "You're awesome." <laughs> so he wasn't. It was the first night he didn't get yelled at by Tony. Oh my god, <laughs> I was late. I remember the. I mean, the biggest fuck up I had in that entire show was dress rehearsal. There was, you know, it's it's me, Wart, or well, Wart, the, the the small child who was played by Todd Kerpelman, who I think was only like three months younger than me. <laughs> There's a last yeah, name for you, Kerpelman. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Kerpelman. Oh, yeah. oh he, he, he's a shorty guy. He was a short guy, so he I got cast as children all the time. Yeah, but, but it was funny as anything. Me, him, and Jeff, and I had this line that apparently, through no reasoning whatsoever, I had to say over the music, not. Three seconds later, when there was a when there was a rest in the music, and I just stood there waiting for the rest. This is normal. You'd think this would happen. And I hear this thing from the, the darkened theater. Come on, Andy! <laughs> <laughs> so the music is then playing, and I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have um, the broadsword. Right, you showed that. I don't remember whose broadsword. It was the original, I think it was the original um, Excalibur before they actually found like a decent looking real sword. Yeah, they, they borrowed a real sword and everybody else had uh, prop wood swords. Yeah, and th this sword, I don't even, th I didn't even use it in the show. I I don't remember who was it. It might have been Jeff Pavlock's sword or someone like that. Yep. Yes, exactly. Long before, why are you here? <laughs> no, really, why are you here? Um... <laughs> Meeting a girl on a date. No, why are you why here? Why are you here? <laughs> why? You can put two and two together for that. I will slander nobody on this show. <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joe Hicks and I are just sitting here like, what are these people talking about? We're talking about our high school years, yeah, and they were not you, awesome. You had to do this. <laughs> All right. Brian Boz brings up, don't forget the cartoon. Um, my reply to that was... Which one? What cartoon? Uh, the Quest for Camelot? And he said, no, the one about the group of football players going through a mystical oh. portal. 
Joe, what is that show called? That was King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Yeah. Yet another merchandising opportunity on a Saturday morning. Not only that, there was a there, it was a NES or a SNES video game based on that one. That's Shut correct. up. No way. SNES. Mm-hmm. It was a little late for the NES, but it was SNES. <laughs> it was a beat 'em up, side-scrolling beat 'em up. There were there was another one that didn't bother with the Knights of Justice that was also a side-scrolling beat 'em up. And there was King Arthur's World, which was oh, a yeah. cheap knockoff of Lemmings. I remember that one. <laughs> I do remember that one. I played that one, actually. It wasn't good. Anyway, <laughs> to get back all. to the cartoon, the premise was that the real King Arthur gets locked away, and Berlin's desperate, so some guy named Arthur King, who's quarterback of a football team, will fucking do. <laughs> they all get... The entire yeah, team gets magic mm-hmm. armor, and the the linemen get no shit. The ability to produce brick walls at will. Yeah. <laughs> this was the it early nineties, right? SNES would be early nineties, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. But it was also a Saturday morning cartoon. That's what I was gonna say. But what was our what was the um, national drug of choice at that point? Was it actually heroin? No, it was. Uh... Crack. It was still crack. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, it's crack. Yeah. Crack well, runs it... until about 93 or 94. I understand. Then it goes heroin, and then meth is still a good, good decade away. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was gaining ground. Well, to be fair, there uh, there was a sublime song. One of the lines is, I was tweaking late one night because uh. I wrote this song. Ah. That is a line of a song. How sublime. Ah. Boo. <laughs> so anyway, my... The door's over there, by the way. <laughs> All right, so next up, my soon-to-be brother-in-law, Matt, um, mentioned Hi, Matt. Excalibur, please, to which I also responded, duh. <laughs> Tell oh. me you're familiar with this one. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Please. All right. I think, for a lot of, I think for a lot of us, Excalibur kind of. Well, yeah, but the last duh we kind of struck out. Yeah. All right, my wife posted, uh, his name is Lancelot, in in tight pants, he's hot, he likes to dance a lot, you know you do. <laughs> Just spam a lot. Spam a lot. Spam a lot. Um, and also, and I, I'm going to post this picture. I'm going to post this on our Twitter feed at Geek Salad Radio and on our Facebook um, our Facebook Geek Salad page. Also, whoever the heck did the makeup on this film deserves a kick in the head. It's Richard Harris from the movie Camelot. Um, and he honestly looks like a Woolworths mannequin. <laughs> it's pretty bad. All right. I wonder what the king is drinking tonight. I wonder if the, the king, king will is get stinking, stinking tonight. tonight. And then Chris Marrera, Boogie, uh, KKK, who did not do a KKK for this, oh. um, will finish us off with, it's only a model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for coming uh, coming in on that one. Um, that was a short notice. Uh, one day, guys. This was like, I was so excited about this episode that I'm like, Oh, shit, I never put anything out. <laughs> you guys have had a hectic week. My next week is going to be hell. My sister-in-law is getting married, as I, as I mentioned. So I'm on vacation next week. And besides editing the show and turning our actual studio into a, a good-looking rec room. Right. Yeah, you guys are getting the uh, the, the Star Plus treatment on that. Um, yeah, I, it's been crazy. And that's like, I forgot to... Our part two of the '86 show uh-huh. had been hanging around for four days before. I'm like, I should probably post something on Facebook about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's worth pointing out the last week hasn't been hectic because marriages aren't that hectic, weddings aren't that hectic, 
if there's nobody else involved. There you go. Yeah, it was it was us, the photographer slash witness, and the minister. Excellent. It was really funny. They asked us what we were going to do afterwards. They we told them tell our family, and uh, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, this is a legit elopement." It's an elopement, elopement, really. <laughs> it's a little out of stuff. Yeah, they can't elope their fruit. Oh, nice. The door is over there. You start walking home, sir. What's your number party? I like a good pun, but that was just weird. Yeah, well, that's fine. You no like one should ever like a good pun, pun Joe. That's that. that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's talk about some of the literary stuff real quick on um, I did forget one. King Arthur. Yes. Uh, the uh, Guinevere Trilogy by Sharon Newman. Okay, which you're looking at right now, yeah, obviously. It's right up there. It's right up there. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it ta- it starts with Guinevere being about 10 or 12 years old and goes through till her death. And it's, it's really, I really like it. It's a very different twist. It's not exactly feminist. Yeah. It introduces new characters, gives a different spin on other characters. Uh, I'm not giving anything away if you read it. Uh, Gawain is the son of Apollo. Of course he is. Which means so that's a, so that's he's, a, he's really really strong. That's so much Christianity, all, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, there's there's some there's a lot of Christianity in there in the Christian Church taking over. But uh, Morgan had made it, you know, she, when she made her deal with the devil, it was to have kids. So Agravaine goes to King Lot. Gawain is the son of Apollo. Um, Gaheris is the son of some, you know, uh, hermit monk. Uh, Gareth was. So he he's so nondescript. That's why he gets accidentally killed by Lancelot. <laughs> it's like you know, Morgoth is like you must have been really bored that year. <laughs> so we lost Gawain, Ectors, and Boars. That's three. That's five. Four, uh, five. Three, sir. Three. <laughs> you Hold on. Not till the end. <laughs> nope. 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 We made no such promises. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure this isn't the Holy Grail show. <laughs> It also has a lot of other interesting new characters that haven't been shown in other versions of the story, and it's you you get to see you know Guinevere's parents and a different take on the whole you know we just want to preserve Rome side. So I highly recommend it. Um, At least she's not in high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's 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 not it's it's not Camelot nine hundred two one zero. Oh God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. What's the next one coming down the pike. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So another another book we haven't really talked that much about, and this. We'll come in more in, into play when we actually talk about some of the movies, but uh, Thomas Mallory's Le Mort d'Arthur. So which the, the book that kind of the book that set all the stage consolidated the entire it, mythology. It essentially took all of the mythology and, and put made place. put a narrative in it to make it kind of make sense. And whenever he says, "As the French books say it," he's making shit up out of whole cloth. Right. Well, you know, you know, it's kind of funny. They're, Good for him. They're, they're really not sure about the authorship of Lamort Arthur, but the the idea is the current thinking is that there's one gentleman. It was Sir uh, Sir Thomas Mallory of uh, I forgot what uh, what area he is, but basically he was a, he's a convict. Oh, okay. He spent his entire life in, in a life of crime. In jail, and then he actually wrote Lamort Arthur All right. In jail, while he was in jail. Kind of sounds like Cervantes. But it, it's well, it's kind of funny because a lot of a lot of the chivalric traditions are thought to originate with this book, mm-hmm. right? And then you had the guy who wrote it 
who's a Criminal. reprobate. He's a reprobate. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, right. so like you can't like you can't like consult. You know, like, you know, you can't like make the sense of the two. Well, it's worth pointing out by the end of the book, Lancelot's got wood. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. So does Guinevere, ironically, <laughs> at the stake. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, another book we haven't discussed yet is Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Oh, I love I that book so much. I, I listened I've to seen that. a kid in King Arthur's Court. That's not a Disney movie. <laughs> I, I listened to Don't the tell me I'm the only one that's read the book. I listened no. to the audio oh, yeah, book I, recently. Yeah. Never How is it? Because I've never read it because I've honestly it. only it's, read the big two. No, the, he's, that one, that one I, I did, you know, like I said, I read it recently on audiobook. All right. And basically what happens is this guy is working in, you know, the Twain era, gets conked on the head, experiences himself going to King Arthur's Court, and then uh, turns out that he, like, had a hallucination before he died of the head injury. Well, ah. it, it, it's worth pointing out that he doesn't get conked on the head. There's an explosion in his shop. That conks him on the head. That, okay. Wait. <laughs> That's a hell of a concussion. Yeah, right? <laughs> So, and he so why are you just glossing over the traumatic head injury? He shows up. Goodell, CTE. <laughs> Tom Brady's uh, suspension is my fault. Um, <laughs> so so he winds up in King Arthur's court. And Merlin has no use for this guy who appeared out of nowhere, and they threatened to have him burned at the stake. And he just magically recalls the date of a a, a solar eclipse. Claims that he's blocking out the sun. And, then, and, then says, and talks them all into letting him down. They all agree. And then the solar eclipse ends, and he says, yep, I stopped it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Hey, if I, if I get sent back in time, I am so calling that one. <laughs> and then he proceeds to create, uh, what was it, bicycles, cannons. I think he uh, he, he invents the um, the camera, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> like he, he's because like, he had some material to do this well, in, he's in, in medieval he's, England. Yeah, he's a shop <laughs> engineer. medieval Wales. He's a shop engineer supervisor right. before he gets sent back, or apparently hallucinates it. Um, and Merlin spends the entire time trying to expose him as the charlatan that he is. <laughs> And, and, and continuously fails in a Wiley Coyote-esque manner. <laughs> yep. So, I want to know... That is a Disney-made movie right there. They it made really, one. I know, I know. I've seen, I've seen it, but... Is, is, that, is that with Martin Lawrence or with Whoopi Goldberg? I believe that's the one with Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. No. Huh. Which pretty, was Martin Lawrence, then? Martin Lawrence, Black Knight. That's it, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that, that's just what he needed to show all those uptight honkies <laughs> in, um, you know, Arthurian England. All right. Even more. Finally, <laughs> the last the last book that we haven't really discussed. I this book almost never comes up in conversation oh, no, anymore. I but read I read this, this in high school. Yeah, I read this one a while. Gawain ago. and the Green Knight. It's oh, one of those yes. epic length, three hundred page poems. Yeah. That, was, that was that was part of my Arthurian Legends class. That's okay. That, that's why that. I have this crap. Had to read that sophomore year in high school. I think everyone had to. Who read did that you, in you have? School. Who did you have for sophomore year? Oh, please, Mr. Lamb. Remember? Oh, come on. Oh. Was it uh? We can grab the book. <laughs> yeah, grab the book. I'll probably remember. It's 19... All right. Your sophomore year would have been 89. 89 to 88. All right. Yeah, 89. That's way bigger oh, than my yeah. book. There's way we too had much a lot of... Fascinating radio, folks. Fascinating yep. radio. We, we had a Killing lot of... Uh, was it this? Well, I mean, that, that, that was pretty much how many clients, people we had... You go ahead and look at the English department. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which was when I learned... 
when we covered that in my Arthurian Legends class in college, uh, we talked about the dressing of the hero, mm-hmm. which is a thing in most stuff, which uh, I noticed in the opening credits of Xena. <laughs> She's getting her outfit on. I'm like, this is the dressing of the hero. This is a thing. Huh. I, I really it's don't. there. Brian Jakes has made a fortune off of the dressing of the hero, the book. Shatnock. <laughs> That's who it was. Oh. Oh. Not forget that beard. Oh, Shatnock. Oh, my God. That guy who was like. Maybe Rick, be, be Rick... Beowulf, Lamorth Arthur, and Gwen and the Green Knight. Wow. So, Mike, the, about this old home day going now. on. Yeah. yeah. He was. Sorry, I'm just looking at. Uh, let's just try to find uh, Shatnoff on here now. So, oh yeah, you, you can't him? forget that beard. I think he died recently. Yes, he oh really? Did. Yeah. Oh, you guys are super upbeat about that. Yeah. Anyway, nice guy. Yeah, very nice guy. Anyway, funny how that turned around real quick. Oh, yeah. It was a very nice guy. He was a very nice guy. I think he just died. He was a totally. No, no, you got the no, hit wrong. No, he was a total hippie. He died. Oh, totally nice guy. Well, he he came across as a total hippie. However, he was like the richest hippie in town. Had a huge house. Roberta, Roberta. This sounds like a lifetime movie. Roberta the baby sent for his down. kids, and they had no idea what a clothespin was. But did so they find the, the spirit like, the of Christmas? In the backyard, and they were like, what's a clothespin? <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Anyway, yep. Yeah. So let's go move on to some music. There isn't a whole lot to discuss. Um, a couple of little outstanding things here. First of all, uh, going back to Lorena McKinnon, the Lady of Shalott is a... Um, Aren't Shalott shallings? Like, no, it's actually Shalott. Oh. Lady Shalott's an epic poem. That uh, Lorena no, McKenna turned into a song. It's actually quite a nice song. Yeah, yeah, yeah the end needs to have a smoke. So. Um, oh, you need to get through, Joe. Sorry. Sorry. Did you get through? All right. I, you should go this way. Now, longer would be Rick Wakeman from Yeses, The Myths and Legends of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Shocking. Otherwise known yes. as King Arthur on Ice. And unless, <laughs> and unless you fucking love prog rock, it's unlistenable. I will, I will say this: I'm surprised Russia's not on a King Arthur song. No, they shouldn't. They say, never would. They more. never would. They have like, more respect than Rick Wakeman does. They, really? they wrote a song about trees. That's a damn that. good song. No, I'm not saying it's not a. I'm not saying it's a bad Joe, song. What I'm saying is that I actually remember seeing this thing on one of those. Like I love the '70s. Like retrospective music things, and they were actually showing this being performed live. Oh, nice! And it is, yeah. It looks like <laughs> it looks like um, King's Dominion, not King's Dominion. Um, King Richard's Fair. King, no, not even King Richard's Fair. What's that? What's the restaurant? Oh, oh medieval, medieval times. times. It was like medieval times on ice. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like everything you've ever thought. Like every like awful like. Blue velvety outfit. Oh no! Yeah, on ice. That sounds oh, amazing. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> you can find it on YouTube. Excellent. 
You're right. I have to do that to myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you do. I really do. You have a Chromecast, Chromecast, right? Yep. Watch it on the big TV. <laughs> you I don't know think I can must. take that much. No, you have to now. You've well, committed. There you go. All right. You You've committed. committed. Um, you know, also other music. Obviously, the musical Camelot. Hello was made a distant moon ago here. July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here in Camelot. The winter is forbidden till December. And exits March the 2nd on the dot. By order, summer lingers through September. In Camelot. Which yep. we've discussed at great length in terms of our, um, our experience, our experience with, it. with it. And it was also, I, I had, when that came out, I found like the tape my mom had of, oh, really? of the version with Julie Andrews as Guinevere and Richard Burton yep. as Lancelot. Oh. And was he drunk or not? That's the question. No, it was Richard, no, Richard um, Burton was Arthur. And it was Robert Goulet. No, not Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet. Yeah, yeah Robert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who did he play, Percival? No, look it up. Look it up. Because, no, Robert Goulet. No. No, it was Robert Goulet as Lancelot. Because he came back decades later and did it as a revival. And it was called, Cam they essentially referred to it as Camel Lounge. <laughs> I will have you know when I uh, when my school did Camelot, our Mordred yes. was the guy who played young Indiana Jones. Oh, really? Show. I have no idea why. It's not like he went to school there. I don't know. They might have contracted him out, but that was definitely the guy. And let me tell you, he made sure everybody knew. I'm sure. Uh -huh. we, I did fiddle on the roof with uh, the big red goo from Laverne and Shirley. Trust me, I'm well aware how okay. that works. <laughs> Find it, Catherine. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But yeah, no, no. The, the version I'm Come alone. That was Yeah, Robert Gould. No, I, I just remember like Forbidden Broadway did a whole thing on it. I'll prove to you I'm not a souse. <laughs> <laughs> did he go out there walking with a no, my God. And then there's the movie. Oh my God. <laughs> The Hey, 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 never let your nerds cross. <laughs> the movie of Camelot is like one of the most miscast things in the world. Vanessa Redgrave plays Guinevere. She can't sing. Um, Richard Harris yeah. plays Arthur. Yeah, no, that's the one that's he can't speak. That's the one I'm talking about. Richard Harris and... Richard yeah, Harris. Richard Harris. Richard Harris, Lawrence of Arabia. Richard Harris. Richard, no, that Julie, was... Julie well, Andrews was that, and was Richard Harris. Was that Richard Atwood? Okay. No. Alright. I'm, I'm pulling this up no, right no, now, Catherine. Cool. I'm sorry that we have to, we have to spend no, radio time. Richard Harris sang, um, oh God, what was that song? Uh, MacArthur Park is... is oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, MacArthur Park. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Which I only know because it was turned into Jurassic Jack Park by Weird Al. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's, yeah, my mom my mom was singing us the real lyrics to that. Yeah, Richard Harris was King Arthur. Um, don't go there. I'm, I'm finding it right now. Casts. Um, 1967. I'm leaving this one up to you. Because All right. It's Julie Andrews and Richard Burton. 
And, um, oh, Roddy McDowell was Mordred. Yeah, Richard Harris is King Arthur. Oh. It's a no, musical, no, right? No, that's one. No, it can't be that one. It's, it's a musical, oh my right? God. Yeah. yeah. It's a musical. I think I think Julie Andrews was in the Broadway version. Robert Goulet. It was Robert Goulet. Okay. So. I, have the, I have the I have the uh, Broadway soundtrack. That's why I'm confused. Sorry, folks. Um, yeah, the movie was it was um, Richard Harris, Vanessa Redgrave, and uh, Franco Nero. Yeah. Who? Franco Nero. You remember him as the um, the Colombian drug lord from uh, Die Hard Two, Die Harder. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then finally on the music end, um, the musical. Parody of uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Spam a lot. I feel happy. I feel happy. I am not dead yet. I can dance and I can sing. I am not dead yet. I can do the Highland thing. I am not dead yet. No need to go to bed. No need to call the doctor because I'm not yet dead. He is not yet dead. That's what the geezer said. Oh, he's not yet dead. That man is off his head. Because it is fucking brilliant, Catherine. That's why. Because by this point in time, Monty Python and the Holy Grail has been done, done over, quoted to death, murdered, resurrected via evil dark magics, brought back, quoted to death again, and somebody said, you know what? We need some more of this. <laughs> it's the one Monty Python thing I can't stand anymore. Right, really? He's been overexposed. I can't. Oh. Oh. I've spent... I, how I feel like that's like me and Nightmare Before Christmas. I love Nightmare Before Christmas, but I really kind of never want to watch it again. That's like me and tacos. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! There's nothing wrong with tacos! Well, it's like... Bobby. If you haul your average... Go back to Russia, Tommy. <laughs> you haul your average geek in, and you say, give me a Monty Python quote. It comes from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So you None know, of you sons of bitches can quote the parrot sketch. You have no idea what happens in no, cheese shop. You are no, in you know cheese what? shop now. No. Guess what? You know what? Congratulations. You just you, you called down the thunder. You brought it. You know what? No. I, will quote, I do work in a no, cheese shop, no. and we have not. Joe, I will <laughs> quote meaning of life before I quote uh, uh, Holy Grail. Go back to Massachusetts, Pinko. You're fucking weird. I'm shocked. Oh, I life. love meaning of life. You Americans, you talk and you talk and you talk. You say, let me say this, let me say that. <laughs> well, you know what? You're dead now, so shut up. <laughs> you know what I say? You know what I say to that? You say, blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move away from this. This is coming up in a couple of shows, right, Mike? <laughs> All right, anyway. Yes, Spamalot is quite a delightful musical, though. Um, Mike and I, actually, I think our first uh, nerd bonding moment was my birthday. I, for my birthday, Autumn took me to the Science of Star Wars at the Boston Science Museum, and then immediately following dinner, Spamalot. I believe you had the exact same experience. 
I'm pretty sure I did uh, the. Autumn took him to see the Museum of Science and then spam a lot. Yeah. No, I think I think with me it was uh the Star Wars. Well, actually, no, that it would have to have been that. Yeah, because, yeah. Did, did right you down the street. Did you have a word with her about that? I did not. No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I pushed a t- I pushed a child out of the way so I could get in the front of the Millennium Falcon. I, I, I was, I'm not talking about you. You said Autumn took him to go do those. Oh no, things. Autumn took me to go. Oh, sorry. Sorry. She asked you if she, you know, anyway. he had. The same anyway, yes. You said yes. Anyway. Um, but it is a delightful musical. I would, if you have a Spotify account, please download yes. some of the songs. It's awesome. You won't succeed on Broadway, Broadway if you don't, don't have, have any Jews. <laughs> well, that nails it, right? There. Yes. All right. So let's talk about some of the King Arthur shows that um that that, that have come out. I mean, obviously there are various episodes of Doctor Who, right, Mike? Um, not as many as you think, actually. That's insane. Yeah. How's that? Not sure, how's that? Considering how often he travels back to merry old England. Yeah. Well, the thing was and, that the whole the whole seeing famous people thing was to the new series, mm. you know, after the reboot. Um, he he always talked about all the famous people he met in earlier in the the original seasons series, but he didn't uh, didn't actually meet people. Okay. Yeah. Although you know where uh, you know where uh, Arthur and Merlin did show up mm. on a on a two part episode of MacGyver. Oh Jesus! Like the real. <laughs> No, like MacGyver, like uh, I think he, I think he gets conked on the head or something like that, and it, it's a whole Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court type thing. No, <laughs> and, and that's actually the episode. I think it was like season seven, or one of the later episodes. It's the one that reveals when quality, when quality was really, <laughs> exactly. really up there. But no, it's it's a, it's the episode that reveals what MacGyver's first name is. And oh, is. really, Angus? Yeah, that was. A, that was is it a, Angus? It is yeah, Angus. Angus MacGyver. Yeah, well, that's when it was revealed in that two-part episode. Well then, I guess I should start watching MacGyver. Nope, thirty years ago. <laughs> I like MacGyver. <laughs> and there was that whole had a catchy whole, had a catchy theme. Yeah, that whole arc on Stargate SG One. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. I don't watch Stargate, so well, please yeah, explain, Catherine. Um, they were they were trying to find you know. They're, they're looking for help with things, and they find a new set of ancients or something. Hmm. Wasn't Merlin an ancient? Yeah, Merlin was an ancient, and uh, they had to like go on puzzle quests to try to find him and his stuff and everything. Yeah, I mean, the season season 9 premiere was a uh, two-parter. It was like Avalon Part 1 and 2, so... Yep. Hmm. Okay. Now, what about the 1998 Merlin with Sam Neill? Wow. Oh, Back man. in the golden age of TV movies. Oh, Oh wow! Yeah, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, short. I, thing. I, I had I had that was something I recorded off a of Sci-Fi Channel because amusing and why not? Yeah, it, with, with it, uh, it exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hel- Helena, <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter as Morgan Le Fay and Martin Short is some puck thing. Oh God! Yeah, it exists. That's about the limit of what I know exactly. about it. <laughs> 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 it wasn't bad. You had um oh, damn! What's his name? That know. dude who's in that thing. Oh, he's in a lot of things. Oh, Rutger. Rutger, <laughs> Rutger Hauer? Was uh, Vortigern. How do you not know the name Rutger, Rutger Hauer? How many times have you not seen Blade Runner? Or Lady Hawk? I, I own Lady Hawk. I saw Blade Runner at the Sci Fi Movie Marathon recently, but it's just sort of a. Oh, that name. That weird name. No. <laughs> now, are you sure it was Rutger Hauer and not Wings Hauser? Mm-hmm. Wings Hauser. Ah. Ah. Yeah, we, we go back. We go back on that one. All right. 
Um, well, after that, there was a Merlin television show. Now, this was uh, BBC, right? Oh, BBC, yeah, Merlin. BBC America yeah. show, yeah. That I one, love Merlin. That one's actually a pretty good show. Yeah, with Anthony good. Stewart Head. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's just Anthony Head in England. He's Anthony Head. Oh, Anthony Head, the One Night in Bangkok guy? No. No, that's Murray Head. Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> You know English people. They all look alike. Oh. <laughs> they all sound alike. <laughs> um, Captain, please expound again. I... Um, um, it was it was not quite as 90210 as the um, uh, Robin Hood show before that. Before Fuck that, that, show. Up. Fuck I, that I, show. I enjoyed that show. Oh, my it God. Was, it was okay, but they were literally wearing hoodies. Although they did that a little bit in Merlin as well. However, they had chainmail over their hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think they bought all the spare hero sets from uh, after the Lord chain, of the Rings was done. Chainmail hoodies. <laughs> yeah, they had chainmail hoodies. Because again, why not? <laughs> Reasons. Realism. Yeah, exactly. But it was it was it was cool. You know, Guinevere was a servant, and then they like got in a situation, and that's why they fell in love. And her brother was one of the knights, and yeah. ends up being one of the knights. Mike, one of so, your favorite cartoons tackled. Uh, which one is tack- that? Gargoyles, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I think it was the second season. Um, sorry, I had a chip in my mouth. Um, That's what she's... Never mind. That doesn't even make sense. Right? I know. <laughs> well, no, no, I guess... You're a cigarette! If you say that's what she said, then it does kind of make sense. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, yeah, the second season, um, Eliza, uh, Goliath, and Bronx. Is it Bronx? Bronx. Yeah, and Bronx all you know set sail, and they managed to find Avalon. And while there, they um, they have to awaken King Arthur, who's been sleeping all yeah. the time, in in order to help them defeat uh, Macbeth, the Scottish king. Yeah, who too, as in like Shakespeare's Macbeth. Yeah. Oh. Who was teamed up with uh, Demona at the time? I'm going to marinate in that for a little bit because that just seems like a lot of stuff thrown together. <laughs> that, that, sh- that show was surprisingly deep at times. But yeah, let's yeah. throw let's throw in a lot of old English mythology yeah, all at once. All at once. Get it out of the way. They just press the puree button on the blender. Exactly. Because you know there's some writer, some animator in there. I was like, man, if they would just let us do nudity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they would. I mean, they were close. Yeah, they, oh, I'm sure they were. I mean, they had Oberon to Tanya. They, they, they delved deep into Shakespeare in that one. Okay. And speaking of nudity, uh, 2010 brought us Camelot from Stars. Ava. Yeah. The, the most prominent characters in the entire show are Ava Green's right and left boobs. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, this show is just, it's so, like, I don't know if you guys have ever watched The White Queen at all, or... What's that other show? No, Rain. That's that's Drummond. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that super soap opera-y version of uh, The Tudors. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've seen the commercials for it. Right. This is essentially what this is. Um, You know, Ava Green plays the whatever Morgana's name is in that one. Morgan, Morgana, Morgan. Yeah. King Arthur is played by... uh, Morgan. the, The guy from... Well, I know him best from uh, Sweeney Todd. He was Anthony in, Sw- in the movie Sweeney Todd. I am Sweeney Todd. Okay. He was also supposed to have a much larger role in Harry Potter, and that didn't pan out. Hmm. He was supposed to be the guy that Dumbledore was in love with. Oh, And ironically, yeah. the actor married Ginny Weasley. Oh, huh. Really? Good for yeah. him. Yeah. 
That was amazing too because I thought he was gay. <laughs> Watch Sweeney Todd and you'll see what I mean. Nobody plays I'm not gay. On TV. I just play one on TV. Yeah. Yep. I play a gay. <laughs> the gay. The gay. I'm the only gay in the village. All right. Well then, with that said, let's move to the movies. Before we start the movies, you've got two different types of Arthur movies. You've got your based in somewhat reality, your historical Arthurs, and your fantasy Arthurs. Mainly based on the books and whatnot, yes. So, um, (laughs) without further ado, guys, we actually got an actual honest-to-Christ historian to talk about two movies, uh, King Arthur and The Last Legion. So, if you'll all welcome my college buddy, Dave... Dave, take it away. Go, Dave. Hello. Thank you for listening. For those of you who don't know me, my name is David McLean. Some of you, and by some of you, I probably mean Andy and nobody else, may have heard me on the History of England podcast, where I occasionally appear to talk about things that fall outside the scope of ordinary English history. Also, to the Geek Salad crew, I'm the guy who forced you all to listen to something that was called The Lord of the Rings, The Musical, for which I am truly sorry. I'm here to talk to you today about King Arthur and about the recent bout of gritty, realistic movies in the past few years that have claimed to one degree or another to portray a real King Arthur. And in this case, the word real should really be taken with several grains of salt. About the same time that Christopher Nolan decided that it might be cool to see what it would be like if Batman was real, Jerry Bruckheimer, a theatrical luminary who right now is apparently producing Top Gun 2, which is not a good sign, decided he would take a similar approach with King Arthur. His film, that he gave the original and delightfully esoteric name of King Arthur, stars Clive Owen and Keira Knightley both of whom fell into the trap of appearing in a bad movie because they got to play a famous character. The movie was billed at the time as being a realistic portrait of what a real King Arthur might be like, and from here on out you can pretty much assume any time I use the word real, it probably comes with air quotes. Now, I love absolutely everything related to King Arthur. If there was a claymation version of Excalibur starring the California Raisins, I would probably watch it. As such, I may not be the most unbiased person to talk about Clive Owen's reign as the once and future king. But what I can tell you about this movie is that as a historian, it has very little to do with history and even less to do with King Arthur. Generally, it makes some fairly obvious historical errors in terms of the characters and the clans and the language they speak, the costumes, the sets, the use of explosions at the Battle of Mount Baden, the handsomeness of its lead actor, and that weird lip-quivering thing that Kira Knightley does in all her movies. I don't know why she keeps doing that. Nobody does that in real life. Now, as far as movies go, these sins are fairly common, and I don't mean to imply it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Sit down with a serious historian to watch Braveheart. I guarantee you he can pick it apart in about five minutes. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't enjoy that movie either. However, this particular version of King Arthur comes with something else which I find a little harder to forgive, which is that it pretty much kicks the entire Arthurian legend to the side of the road. 
it bears so little resemblance to the original story of King Arthur that I think if you change the name of the three main characters, I'm pretty sure no one would ever know that it was inspired by King Arthur in any way. You'd have a completely different story, one which probably would have starred Rutger Hauer and that I would have watched on HBO at 2 o'clock in the morning when I was in college. As with most war movies, it seems to confuse the terms realistic and muddy. It runs with the general belief that Native American war paint is popular whenever you go into battle, no matter what century it is. I got the impression watching the film that it was meant to maybe be the first in a series, which might explain some of these things. It, it ends on a happy note, which for King Arthur is very weird. I've read that it grossed $51 million on a budget of $120 million, which in terms of Clive Owen's career makes it a hit. However, apparently someone was impressed with it enough to think that it might be fun to make a movie about the period just before King Arthur, because I guess prequels worked really well for the Star Wars movies. The Last Legion is based on a novel of the same name, and it features roughly a third of the cast of Game of Thrones. It came out in 2007, and of the two movies, it's actually the better one here. It stars Colin Firth as Ambrosius Aurelianus, who, for the sake of discussion, I'm going to identify as King Arthur's uncle. And it was produced by Dino De Laurentiis, who also produced the 1984 movie Conan the Destroyer, which is convenient because both movies have pretty much the same plot. Ambrosius Aurelianus is a real historical figure. He's mentioned by the historian St. Gildas, who says that Ambrosius defeated the Saxons in the 5th century. It also has another number of other real historical figures, or at any rate, it uses their names, also some real places, and the remains of the Colossus at Rhodes, which is one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, show up in the movie rather prominently. This is not to say it's historically accurate. It's more like somebody took all the bits they could remember from History 115 about the last days of the Roman Empire and then squeezed them into a two-hour movie and added in the St. Crispin's Day speech from Henry V, because... reasons. The movie stays realistic, largely by leaving King Arthur out of it. Although at the end of the movie, we do see Merlin and a young King Arthur, and we do manage to get a glimpse of the sword in the stone. It has some very pretty scenery, which is occasionally marred by mediocre special effects. I would like to take a moment to give the movie the credit for being one of the few Western movies I've ever seen that had an Indian actress in the leading role. The young woman whose name I'm never going to pronounce correctly is extremely beautiful, and although her appearance is more than a little anachronistic, she reflects the world we actually live in, which I think is nice. These movies are going to be followed in 2017 by King Arthur, the Legend of the Sword, which, given that it's directed by Guy Ritchie, is probably not going to have a scene in it where Merlin and Arthur turn into squirrels and run through the forest singing songs. I haven't seen it, naturally, but I watched the trailer, and it looks like all the armor was made out of carbon fiber. Maybe Camelot was sponsored by Nike. I actually don't get as much joy out of making fun of other people's work as I used to. I understand that the ultimate punishment for making bad art isn't criticism. It's obscurity. 
Having said that, I can tell you that none of these are movies that you're probably going to be destined to feel compelled to sit down and watch with your kids one day. Unless you feel the need to pass on 21st century B-movies to another generation. Although both King Arthur and The Last Legion try in different ways to give an air of realism, this is really just a marketing tactic. It's a way of making you believe that this particular story is somehow more important than any other previous version of Arthurian legend that you might have seen or read. And it sounds strange, but I understand this, because a real King Arthur is something that seems to appeal to an awful lot of people. There is an entire cottage industry of books, Netflix documentaries, and gray-haired college professors who are devoted to the idea of a real King Arthur. Seemingly every town in Cornwall and Wales seems to have some kind of claim that Arthur did something there or another, which is encouraging tourists to flock to their particular corner of the British countryside in the hopes of treading the same ground as Britain's legendary king. I found myself on IMDb once watching two guys on the Excalibur page trying to compromise over what the real King Arthur might have been like because apparently they thought that's how history works. If you don't know what happened, you can compromise on the details. The appeal here, I think, is sort of the same as that of a gritty King Arthur movie. Uh, The idea that King Arthur is real makes him somehow seem more important. The idea of this great king who actually tread the same earth as us feeds into the story itself and to the central theme of Arthurian legend, which is that idea of lost greatness that can never be recaptured. Now, I'm really here to make just one point, and the point is this. Trying to make King Arthur real doesn't make him any more important because King Arthur is never more significant than he is as a fictional character. He is the first important fictional character in English literature and in England. And English is a language, perhaps more than any other, that is defined and shaped by its fictional characters. Put in another way, King Arthur is not the ancestor of Queen Elizabeth or even Henry V, but he is the ancestor of Hamlet, Elizabeth Bennet, David Copperfield, and Harry Potter. If there was a real King Arthur, believe me when I tell you that Richard Harris, Graham Chapman, Nigel Terry were all better in the role than he could ever be. The the books and the movies and the on-ice versions that the smart and funny people of this podcast are talking about are what's really important. And the next time someone tries to tell you they've got an idea of what a real King Arthur would be like, I want you to tell them just one thing for me. And that's... Icky, 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 patang, jumping. That's my piece, and thank you for listening. Again, my name is David McLean. For those of you who don't know me, I have a new novel coming out. It's called The Time Traveler's Resort and Museum, and it involves a series of time travelers trying to find Excalibur. This is probably not a coincidence. We're having an Indiegogo campaign all through the month of October to support the book. And every time someone contributes to it, I die just a little bit less on the inside. You can find out more about it at davidmclean.weebly.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-M-C-L-A-I-N.weebly.com. 
or at facebook.com slash David McLean Dragon Bait. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, Dave, thank you so much, man. That is... That was deep. That, that, was, that was enlightening. That yeah. was a deep dive. Well, no, the thing is, though, is that he's, he's absolutely right about a lot of this stuff and how kind of, well, how crappy most of this stuff is to begin with yeah. and how you're still better off going with the comedy. Oh, we'll get to that. Come on. We'll get to that. We always get to that. We always... I thought that was a cue. That was a cue. All right. So anyway, um, let's get just quickly go over some of the minor stuff and then spend some time, you know, park on some of the bigger stuff. Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, 1949. I believe this was um, Bing Crosby. Anyone? Anyone? Hey. <laughs> I wonder if he beat his son in that one, too. Probably did. With a <laughs> sack of Valencia oranges. <laughs> exactly. Because they don't bruise. Because they don't bruise. <laughs> and they leave Are you giving me lip- citrusy fresh. Are you giving me lip boy? Get away from me, you old pruner. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> they just fist bumped, so... We need to move on now. Thank God. All right. Knights of the Round Table from 1953, which essentially was based on um, Le Mort d'Arter, but kind of looks like uh, your generic Renfesty King Arthur. (laughs) Everyone has got like their, you know, they've got like their super lightweight poseable armor on and their red or blue colored sackcloth with a cross embroidered on it. Yeah. Huzzah! And then a lot of horse play, you know, a lot of horse riding, and a lot of like really, really non-realistic dueling going on. I'm pretty sure with broadswords during one of the takes, you can see a guy in the background chowing down on a turkey leg. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, There's this big horseshoe. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then we've got, uh, oh, okay, here's what we got to park on. 1963, Walt Disney, The Sword in the Stone. Now, first of all, if you don't mind, I'll make the rules. Rules indeed. <laughs> Why, she only wants rules so she can break them. I'll take care of you later, feather brain. <laughs> rule one, no mineral or vegetable. Only animal. Rule two, no make-believe things like, uh, oh, pink dragons and stuff. Now, rule three, no disappearing. No. Rule four, no cheating. All right, all right. Now, pace off ten. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Merlin, she disappeared. Oh, I like this one. I, this, this, I, I wore this, this VHS out when I was a kid. It's a lot happier than the actual book, but... No, yeah. Even though <laughs> this is E.B. White, so this is like the happy Arthur story. Yeah. Which takes a lot of doing, considering that, in general, Arthur's not really a happy mythology. Arthur, essentially, is born of adultery and lust. Um, no, 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 tri- no, no, no. Tri- Incest. In- incest, not no. adultery. Is no, he? No, 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 he's not the product of incest. Mordred, oh, no, Mordred, sorry. Is. Mordred is a product of incest between sorry, Arthur and his sister. Yes. Ugh. There is wicked betrayal from his best friend. Yep. And his wife. And his wife, yep. Well, and they still love... They still love him and each other, and it's just they cannot resist each other, and so that is why the tragedy is because they can't hate on each well, other for it. I mean, let's face it, they're both French. 
So there you go. No, that's true. <laughs> One thing I did get a kick out of in this movie in particular is the fact that uh, Merlin resorts to bio-warfare to win something. <laughs> that's true. He's <laughs> like, screw it. Yeah. Enjoy your measles. <laughs> no, this is one of I think like five Walt Disney films made around this time that recycled animation. Oh yeah, like crazy. Yeah, I, th- I thought I saw bits of uh, Robin Hood and Jungle Robin Book. Robin Hood, and Jungle Book. Yeah, I know it's Robin Hood, Jungle Book, and um, yeah, Short and Stone. Fox so no, Fox and the Hound wasn't re- recycling. Yeah, Fox and the Hound was like early. Oh, yeah, anything yeah. that Ivan Reitherman yeah, was true. the uh, director for, they recycled everything for it. Hey, to be fair, that's a great way to save money, especially back then. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially because at that point, it's like, oh, Walt's dead. What do we do now? Well, that, they, wait, wait, that wait. they were sinking billions into Disney World, so. Was yeah. Walt dead at that point? No, not in 63. He okay. was dead by... Um, 66. Yeah, by uh, Jungle Book. or 66? Can I just take a moment from one of the best lines in that movie? Get Zooks! Black magic of the worst kind! <laughs> <laughs> I like, blow me to Bermuda! <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> I'm still of the uh, impression that somehow in a in a theoretical sequel, Merlin make, make, turns the uh, female squirrel into a Guinevere. <laughs> because that that actually there was actually that was sweet. It was yeah, actually yeah. sweet little romance like, right there. Let me ask you though: Is this one? Because right, actually, Mike, I'll ask you because you're you're really a little more in the know than I am on this. Is this on the on the books for one of the live action remakes? I, I actually heard rumors of it. I don't know that you can make it a live act. Could, uh, it, 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 it's could. Jungle Book with one human being on screen. No, no, no. I understand. No human beings on screen. I understand, but con- considering... I mean, The Sword in the Stone works as, as an animated movie just because you know it's so yeah. lighthearted. But the, the, the Arthur mythology is so dark. I don't know that you can... Uh, you stick to you stick to you stick to this story. You'd have you know, to do it almost work. shot for shot. Mm. Well, they, they're not going to do that. I mean, you got you got to get your celebrity cameos in there somehow. Well, yeah, but if you're doing that, then in one, you, if I, you go any further than the exact slice they used, yeah. it gets a lot darker. Is what it, it, is is the problem there? Yeah, well, I, I I believe that. I mean, they probably have someone well, writing a script on it, but right now there's. That is is nothing. It hasn't progressed past the the, the planning and writing stage. Okay. I mean, they just greenlit Mulan for Christ's sake. So there's All two, the yeah, two, two. two Mulan movies. What? Yeah, Sony's making Sony's one. Sony's making one. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Good luck for them trying to match a uh, an all Asian cast that uh, Disney's already done. <laughs> what? Did they use up all the Asian actors? No, but I mean, Sony's basically going to have to do that, or else they'll be like. Uh, well, no, we're having most Asian, but we do have some white people in there. <laughs> Whitewashing! Well, they're Japanese. They yeah, exactly. I don't really know if anyone can tell the difference. Is that on tape? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Dante Hicks is just like you. He loves grape soda. So, all right. <laughs> Next up, okay, well. My own personal men in tights. <laughs> <laughs> park the car, leave the keys uh, with the valet. We'll see you in five minutes. Monty Python, The Holy Grail, 1975. Arthur, King of the Britons. Oh, don't grovel. One thing I can't stand is people groveling. Sorry. And don't apologize. 
every time I try to talk to someone, it's sorry this and forgive me that and I'm not worthy. What are you doing now? I'm averting my eyes, oh Lord. Well, don't. It's like those miserable psalms. They're so depressing. Now knock it off. Yes, Lord. Right. Arthur, King of the Britons, your knights of the round table shall have a task to make them an example in these dark times. Good idea, O oh Lord. Of course it's a good idea. Behold, Arthur, this is the Holy Grail. Look well, Arthur, for it is your sacred task to seek this Grail. That is your purpose, Arthur. The quest for the Holy Grail. A blessing. A blessing from the Lord. God be praised. God damn, I love this movie. <laughs> oh, God oh, damn, this I is, love this movie. This is... This is if you if you want nerd cred, this is your introduction. This, this is, is your nerd cred one hundred and one. Yeah. yeah, I know yeah. for a fact that this movie will appear on next week's episode. Uh, uh, one of our one, one of our next episode. Not, not one the next episode. The episode after. Yeah. This is this is your induction into nerd nerdhood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And usually it happens like <laughs> freshman sophomore year in right. high school. It's like, exactly when it happened. I was a sophomore in high school and. Back on Channel 38 in the late 80s, yeah. um, they Dana, used to have the movie locked on Dana Friday Hershey. night. Yeah, Dana yeah. Dana Hershey. On Friday nights, and they wouldn't edit the movie. Right. You know, the only thing you had to deal with were the commercials. So we got lines like, well, he must be a king. How can you tell? He hasn't got shit all over him. And they were talking, you know, the, the whole... spanking, a spanking. The oral sex. Yes, the oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> Come along, it's too perilous. I think I can stand some peril. One, one, of, the most, gay. one of the most quotable movies ever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> every every scene in this movie has at least three great quotes in it. They're honestly, oh, I don't yeah. think there really is a dead spot in this movie where it's like, I don't really remember anything that happened in that. <laughs> I mean, you start, you can do the whole thing about the, um, you know, the coconuts and the sparrows. Which of there's a T-shirt of? Yeah, which I have ordered. Oh yeah, you, you ordered it. I ordered. A Good t-shirt, for yeah. you, um, Dennis. <laughs> Dennis which was great when I turned 37. That was like the only thing I heard all day. 37. I'm not old. We're constitutional peasants. Yeah. And and one of the greatest insults ever thrown in movie history. Your father was a hamster. And your mom smelled of elderberries. <laughs> elderberries. Fart in your general direction. Fart in your general direction. Jet de la vache. What? Shut the bus! Point! Run away! Run away! <laughs> Son, one day all this will be yours. What the <laughs> No, not the bloody curtains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Now, there's this great Don't scene. There's always this. Oh God! And that was thing, because when the first time I saw that, that was the scene that first grabbed me. But the thing, the thing is. All the all the quotable lines you can use them in any concept like in, pretty much just in throw any, them in into any conversation. Yeah, I'm yeah. not dead yet. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a paper cut like a few weeks ago. Just flesh wound. Yep. I got that. My my daughter watched that scene. She watched the entire Black Knight scene and then wanted to know what happened to Black Knight afterwards. And she just kind of left as a stump on the uh, <laughs> on the bridge. Which, by the way, I love the fact that the movie was so cheaply made. It wasn't even a bridge. You had to cross this bridge. There wasn't even a bridge. You could have easily no, just walked, just walked around, around and, ju- and jumped over. Um, but there's this great bit, and it's such a subtle bit, when uh, 
Lancelot is going to race to save uh, Prince Herbert. Oh, that's right. Uh, and they got the two guards standing at the at the castle. And you just see Lancelot running. And they just stop them and they're eating and looking. And then he like jumps in screen, stabs one guy, and the other guard's like, hey! That whole scene though, because he's like racing up the tower, he slashes at a, ta- at a torch. Oh, yeah, he's, door. he's killing everybody, and then just like sees this. this, this it was like, yeah, I think it was a torch, just whack. And then, just, <laughs> and then he finds the room, kills those guards, gets down, kneels down, says the thing that, oh, I'm, I'm telling you, so I have the wrong room. You got my note! Like, I know. You come to rescue me! Oh god! I don't need to be rescued. <laughs> god, there was so much. Or when, he, or when he tries to save Galahad from all the uh, all the virgins, mm. I can accept a little bit of peril. Bitch, you're gay. No, I'm not. Which is funny because in the span in Spamalot, they actually do yeah. have Lancelot be gay at the end of it. And there's a gigantic disco number <laughs> with him and Prince Herbert. Oh man. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it doesn't get old. I do sense that in a couple of weeks we will be talking about this one again. Yes, so we let's will. not give away all the goodies. Yeah. All right. Next up, 1981. The other big, you know, kind of like, well, duh, we have to talk about this one. Excalibur. I see no mist. Or have your powers faded too? The charm. Use the charm. Have you forgotten the charm of making? Use it. Anal nathrach. Urthvas bethud. Dochiel genve. Yes, use it. Oh, that's it. Oh, good. Oh, that's grand. Anal Nathrach Urthvas Pesat Dochiel Dienve. Careful, it can damage your beauty. Alas. Well, I think I think this is the movie that kind of, for a lot of people, defined the the Arthur legend. This is the grittiest Arthur movie I think I've ever seen. It's also the most blatantly 80s Arthur oh, movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Big blue eyeshadow, coke nails. The only thing that was missing was the bangs. <laughs> and there were, I think Te- there were some bangs. Te- teased out bangs. Speaking of bangs, <laughs> one of the worst sex scenes ever in history. <laughs> in full armor. beginning. In full armor. Gabriel Byrne plays uh, Uther Pendragon, or just because the way th- this movie is so poorly dubbed, yeah. Every you know it, nobody's voices 
are coming out of their bodies. Everything was like all it was all ADR later on. But yeah, the post uh, <laughs> post production. I think the cameras that they recorded with didn't even have a microphone right. built into it. But the scene where Uther takes um Egrain, it's like he shows up and then he's just you know, tears off her blouse and these are this is the early eighties, so like flat as a board. <laughs> Every every woman in that movie has like zero boobs, <laughs> and he's just on top of her, full armor, just like pounding away. <laughs> yeah, like Kira Knightley in King Arthur. No. Ooh. Yeah. Her costume consisted of a few belts and stuff. We'll yes, I, I never actually saw oh. Domino because I know in Domino she does show the goods, and <laughs> and by the goods I mean. The yeah. washboard. The belts. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, yes. Eighties eighties flat as boards. Yes, it was like it was a thing back then. I don't know what happened. <laughs> um anyway. We all drank hormone laden milk. Oh oh well you think that would affect the uh not the eighties girls. No, that's true. Improvements in surgical techniques. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Medical science is always the answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> The um, but this is also one of the most violent Arthur movies. Yeah, I mean seriously, there are just dudes getting their arms like whacked off, their heads whacked off. There's a scene where a guy is hanging from a tree and a crow like lands on his shoulder, plucks his eye out, and flies off. Sure. <laughs> well, even at the end. Well, you know what? Slub Roman England wasn't exactly a nice place. No, to exactly. Man. Well, there's this this bit at the end. I'm assuming everyone has seen this movie. If not, sorry. Um. Where Arthur and Mordred are fighting, and Mordred stabs him with a freaking lance, like a spear, and Arthur like pulls himself. That's pretty hardcore. Through the spear, and then jams the, the uh, his sword Excalibur into his gut, and then just blood just gushes out of Mordred's mouth. Pretty hardcore. It is pretty hardcore. But that's the way. That's the way it's been described. It was. It's been described in the, in the yeah, literature. Nice. Yeah, it's how he. Kill, you know, that's how he died, that's how he killed Mordred. Yep. So, But the other cool thing about this also is how many people got their start in this movie. Or, their, you know, one of their starts in this movie. Patrick Stewart. I already mentioned Gabriel Byrne. Liam Neeson. Right, yeah. Liam Neeson. Yep. Helen Mirren. Um, she's a babe. Oh my gosh, she's still, still a babe. Still yeah, a babe. exactly. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, there's a couple other people too, I think, that are, you know, looking mm-hmm. at the cast list. Oh, I've got it up already. Alright, yeah, pull it up. Who else do we have? Um... I don't think I can really recognize that. Robert Addy? No. Alright, no. Um, Keith Buckley, Corn right. Redgrave. No, it wasn't a whole Bunch whole of dudes. Lot, yeah. Nigel Terry. Nigel Terry, who played Arthur. Yeah. And again, voice didn't even sound like it was him. At all. <laughs> Alright. Now, who, who put in Army of Darkness? I think I did. Okay. Because, I mean... It's Arthur. They, they call him Arthur. Yeah, it was like Lord Arthur and the Wise Man, who are obviously King Arthur and Merlin. Obviously. Serial numbers filed off. Uh, exactly. <laughs> the discounts. Right, because copyright's a thing with the Arthurian. Exactly, movies. exactly. Well, uh, His wait, Mexican wait, wait, non-union t- equivalent. <laughs> well, Scab. <laughs> When you're dealing with liberties the size of Sam Raimi's uh, that, that he took the, the, the with Delta the class. story, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, you kind of have to account for things. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, next up, 1995, First Night. 
Oh, God. Oh, God, this movie is so bad. And I saw this in Oxford, England. It contributed oh, this is the one. This, one, this, one, this one was with Sean Connery, right? Yes. Sean Connery, oh, Richard, Gere, Richard Gere, and Julia Ormond. It was Oh, that's so right. Richard Gere bad. was La- Lancelot. Yes. Oh, it's the movie that proves that Lancelot could have his cake and eat it, too. No, actually, Guinevere could. Guinevere. Oh, Guinevere yeah. couldn't have her cake and eat it, too. So she could go bang Lancelot, and Arthur would just be like, well, you know... You're still my wife. I, I fully approve of your extra No, no, he screams no, and then they have the spinning table <laughs> circle out come out of his eye or go into his eye or something like that. It was so, and it was so cheesy. This is the part where the audience gave up and just started laughing. And yeah. Isn't it at the, at the end of that, doesn't he give them her, his blessing before he dies? Yes. Of oh, course yeah, he yeah, does. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, he, I think he names Lancelot King or something, but. Of course That's he not the way it's supposed to be. That's not how the Arthurian legend works. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, the the scene where Guinevere starts liking Lancelot because he he goes he back to France, she goes to a convent, big yep. leaves and pours it into her mouth, and she's like, "This is amazing." Oh God, God, that movie was so terrible. Yeah, you know, if you've seen those fig leaves before, you don't know what was in them before that. They're still on the tree, man. <laughs> bugs, bugs. Do you know what birds do up there? <laughs> Birds do it too. Does it involve involve bees? The bees do it. The birds are singing. The bees are trying to have sex with them. As far as I've been told, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Why didn't no thank you for loving it? Arthur and Guinevere Squirrel are up there doing something. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying then? This is like a big combined expanded universe, then, right? (laughs) It's a multiverse. So the cartoon grows up to be Sean Connery? Yes. <laughs> all right. So next up. That explains nothing at all. <laughs> Just shouldn't think about it. Just don't don't forget, I will seriously retire in seven years. And he did. Isn't yeah, that after, movie since after, The League of Extraordinary yeah, Gentlemen? Yeah, he has not done anything since that movie. How ba- Seriously, how bad, bad did it have to be for him to actually be like, I've made a lot of shitty movies in my life. This is the one. Highlander to nothing. Which is too bad because, I mean... I'm really shocked he didn't make first, something that did well just so we could say he went out on top. Yeah, because exactly. Because after first... He did First Night right after yeah, he did Hunt for Red October, right? No. Or was Night, Hunt for Red October at... Red October 90. Was it? Yeah. Uh-huh. It was 1990. That, that was a damn good movie. Oh, this was 95. Okay. So he had First night, I can't remember if it came... No, this came right before Dragonheart. Um, and before The Rock. Yeah, but The Rock was good. The Rock was an excellent movie. If he had retired after The Rock, yeah, we it would have been, been fine. Yeah, yeah we'd, we'd be, be like, oh, okay. Sean Connery, not a laughing stock. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, 1996, Merlin's Shop of Magical One- Mystical Wonders, which is really... It's an <laughs> yes, MST episode. Yes, it is. The- Merlin's... Try the Merlin Chop, a half a pound of Merlin, served with steak fries, vegetable of the day, and whipped dessert. Final episode. Go to the last episode. Yeah. Where Merlin just, where the whole thing is just, um, it's, it's a, the whole thing is just these stories that, uh, oh damn, what's what's his name? Who? Uh, Ernest Ernest Borgnine. Is telling to his grandson and, you know, there's blood and death and destruction. and it, It's just stories that should not be told to kids. <laughs> so, 
And then you see Sonny, his so, head blew off. So it's like Princess Bride, but on meth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then the, 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 the evil monkey killed the boy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Who just looks like you. Oh, God. And then he bit that child and gave him AIDS. And then he spread the AIDS all over everything. <laughs> And then the movie outbreak happened, and Morgan Freeman tried to blow up a small town. I'm sorry, where was I? Can you get me my meds? <laughs> no, but actually, it is one of the be- one of the one of the better episodes of the Sci-Fi Channel era of MST3K. There weren't a lot of them, so yeah. That, that, that was, they, good. they had a good run for a while. They had a decent run. I mean, they made an app out of one of the episodes. Yeah, the Turkey Volume Guessing app. And, and they are coming back. They they just wrapped production on new episodes. Fourteen new episodes. All right. Next up, did anybody see the animated um, Quest for Camelot? Nope. 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 All right. Well, that's a stamp of approval. Moving on. <laughs> Dave already brought up King Arthur and the Last Legion, so we don't have to do much with that. Other than I did see the Last Legion in theaters. Um. And it was just like, we just tried to be like, okay, let's just enjoy this for what it is. It looks stupid. Let's watch this. We're saying, okay, so far the movie is great. And all of a sudden, Ben Kingsley's arms go out and these fireballs rocket out of them. And I'm like, all right, fuck this. So much for the, re- <laughs> so much for the realistic, gritty uh, I'm like, Autumn and I are like grabbing our sides laughing because it was just the goof. It, it, ben Kingsley just has no filter when it comes to his yes. <laughs> yes, I'll do that movie. <laughs> Uwe Boll, you want me to do something? Yes. But to be fair, that can sometimes turn into a very... That can turn into the Mandarin. Yeah. Which was fine. Yes. Well, depends on who you ask. Yeah, exactly. Depends on your point of view. Yeah. Depends well, on how you wanted your movie. It could have been. Yeah. yeah. It could have been horribly racist. So let's just accept it for what it is and move on. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, King Arthur, King Arthur. I went to see it. I was so excited, and it was so bad. Oh my god, we were so excited because again, it was it's a historical version of Arthur. And Otto was listening to this great um, lectures podcast where they're talking about the Arthurian legend, and the, the the lecturer actually said this got us all excited, and then we watched it. Oh, no. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Yeah, that was pretty much <laughs> it. Was Clive Owens, wasn't it? Clive yeah. Owens. Um, Kira Knightley and Yoan Griffith. Uh, One yeah, more time. Yo, it's Yoan Griffith, whose name has either too many uh, consonants or too many vowels. I can't tell which. Too many which. vowels. Too many vowels. <laughs> but, well, but yeah. Yeah. yeah they oh, played, he, played, he played the lizard in Amazing Spider-Man. It was, no, he didn't. No, he played Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. Oh, that's right. Fantastic Four. Right. 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 Speaking of recent films. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. But that, that was, it was so bad, you know, like, and, and oh, yeah. Kira Knightley Damn worked British. out so hard, so they redesigned the costume to emphasize her abs, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah the, no. it looked like it was made out of belts, and about that was about all. Emphasize her abs and and de-emphasize the other parts of her body. There wasn't much to de-emphasize. <laughs> yeah, in the first place, it, it, you know, <laughs> we're getting somebody with a big, you know, somebody famous with a flat top. This guy, that guy, Kira Knightley, something. <laughs> 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 all right, Deadpool reference, not like that. So now we get a couple of Marvel, uh, no Marvel. My God, sorry. A couple of King Arthur movies that um, are upcoming. Are upcoming. Uh, well, according to Wikipedia, this is supposed to be released in 2016, so fuck you, Wikipedia. Uh, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Move! 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 
tell me story. <laughs> tell me every detail. I woke up. From where? From a nightmare. What was it about? Then? Then, me and the lads took care of their business. Hold up, hold up, back up. You've left something out. Are you writing a book? They all lived happily ever after. No, they didn't either. Because for the first time, there's something you don't know. Something nobody told you. I've, I've seen the I've seen the trailer. For I it. sent you the trailer. You did send me the trailer. And I asked, "What the sweet fuck was this?" <laughs> it looks like fun. It doesn't look, you know. It doesn't look good, but it's ah! fun. <laughs> no, no, no. It looks. Well, it, looks no, like, no. it looks like a good popcorn movie. They're, at least they're not going. We're gonna give you something. The problem is accurate. Yoink. The problem is, it, is is is. I love Guy Ritchie as a director. I love his movies, but I don't know if his style fits. With what they're trying to do with, it. I don't know. I just, it, I saw the trailer. His whole like steady, shaky cam thing yep. that he does, I'm tracking cam doesn't. I don't think will work with this. But I mean, I didn't think it was going to work with Sherlock Holmes, and he did. He pulled the Sherlock Holmes that. movies were excellent. Yeah. So and he's going to be doing our Aladdin. The problem is Charlie Hunnam. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love Pacific exact, Rim, but he not, wasn't exactly. He's not exactly the pinnacle of acting careers here. It's like, like just replace yeah. him with some other, like, hunky And, and the charisma he has dude. is... The, his charisma is, is limited to his blonde hair and his abs. Yeah, that's exactly. About it. Don't forget, for Maximum Comedy, he's above doing Pacific Rim, too. That's true. <laughs> hey, you Yet know he's going to be doing three of these King Arthur movies. This is part of a planned trilogy. Not, well, he's, he's above they fil- they filmed this almost two years ago, and it's just now. Oh, it's not even getting released yet. I think no, it's getting it's released in March. Yeah, it's getting. I think my, this is my birthday weekend movie. Um, no, it's not. This is not what I'm showing you. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe, I believe I'm getting JLA so, or Justice League rather. Sorry, I can't help not call it that. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see. But the delays. Anytime a movie is this heavily delayed. It's never, never a good sign. No. Yeah. So, we got one more here. Transformers. Transformers The Last Night. Because why the fuck not? That it's actually, yeah, it's gonna have, <laughs> somehow work in on King Arthur. And, and the Nazis. And Nazis. <laughs> because fuck you, Michael Bay. <laughs> no, no, no. No, seriously. No, this seriously. <laughs> and guess what he, guess what they did in England. They put Nazi fly, flags all over Winston Churchill's house yeah. as oh part of his film. God. Because, because, Michael fuck Bay. you! You know what? You know, I, 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 they didn't appreciate that very I, much. I know, I know for a fact that Michael Bay has undying respect for for military, and I'm sure he has undying respect for for uh, Winston Churchill. So I know he didn't do it as like a deliberate fuck you. But, but no, no, he did I mean, it putting Nazi flags on the birthplace of the no, Nazis he did it because he's, he did it because he's a clueless douche. Right? Like, yeah, exactly. Guys, 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 you are just not respecting the 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 the, the, the authenticity 
of a movie made by Michael Bay. And Stephen Day, don't you even dare try to defend that book piece of shit. I know no, it's who, knows? Be. <laughs> who knows? This might actually be the straw that he goes, this entire thing sounds like something that Jay Sherman, the critic, would be reviewing. <laughs> it Transform- yeah, Transformers, King Arthur, and Nazis. <laughs> Starring Renier Wolfcastle. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you telling me that... They could have just handled this in post-production, maybe? Maybe they could have. Yeah, I put mean, up white flags and then put something in on a tra- Post-production in a Transformers, Transformers movie? movie? I know. They they you couldn't have built a set, you know? Uh, well, a, we all know that there's only yeah. there's only so far... You know Bay- what? No, you know you know what Michael Bay is doing in post-production? Make Megan Fox's ass and boobs bigger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Megan Fox isn't in it. Yeah. I know. But, but he does have to do that digital pee from a robot. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too. Because you know that like, his... His love of CG only goes so far because he gets lazy with things like maybe not making two of the robots as racist as they turned out to be. The the nail in the coffin was that Skids was watermelon color. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. I think we need to move on now before we get in trouble. Between between the Nazis and the watermelon, let's move on. So that really that covers... <laughs> that sounds like it should be a movie. Movie title of Nazis and Watermelon. <laughs> Directed by Michael Bay. Uh, you've been back in my diary, haven't you? All right. So, good conversation on this, guy. So, real quick, we have a couple of things I that we want... I a movie poster of that. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Uh, I, need, I, need, I need my drawing program for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so real quick, um, before we wrap up, we need to quickly, quickly, quickly discuss the hit Netflix series Luke Cage. Those two? Yeah. Let's go talk to them. Don't you need a gun? I am the gun. Yo, plug one, plug two. What is this, your boyfriend? You want some of this? You know my name? That's Luke Cage, asshole. The next time you say my name, I'm coming for you. Now, when you wake up, I want you to tell everybody that you've been screwing with that they got nothing to fear from Cottonmouth. You understand? Wake up. Now, how far have you seen? Um, I have gotten up to episode eight. I finally met Diamondback. Okay. Like, in, in Toto. How about you guys? We are just before there. I think we're uh, six, six or seven. seven. Who's, is anybody dead? Is anybody Is yes. any main yes. character yes. dead? Yes, humbles a man. And, yes, uh, yes. And main character dead. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're not... Yeah, so, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you guys are at least halfway through the series. Yeah. Then. All right, yeah. Okay, now you guys have finished it. Yes. I gotta say, I am so goddamn digging this. Oh, And I'm so, so goddamn good. happy that the soundtrack is now available on Spotify. Mm. That is... This got some of the best music. And the beauty is, and too, is that it's... It feels authentic. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It's it's classic soul music, but it's got that modern flavor to yeah. it. Yeah, but it, even the feel of the 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 show feels like a seventies black exploitation. Not 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 to, not in the campiness of it. Not in the campiness, in way, and not in the kind of over racist way that a lot of black exploitation right. 
or the original Luke Cage comic book was. Oh, this no, was no, I, love, very, I love the send up of his outfit. Oh, this, well, that was very, great. <laughs> but no, this is a very authentic feel to what Har- Harlem, Harlem yeah. is. And, and, and Harlem is as much a character in the show as everybody else. Right. Actually, uh, the best description I've heard is that it's um, basically uh, on uh, the uh, YouTube channel Double Toasted. Yeah. Uh, they did a review, a review of the first, um, uh, no, the, the, main, the main Luke Cage trailer. And they basically said that with black exploitation, all you needed were three ingredients. You need the street. You needed a, uh, a guy that needed his ass cooked. What? Yep. And you needed the hero that was going to whip his ass. Yep. And that's all you need. You take that and you put it in a modern setting and you play it straight and you got Luke Cage. But it's such a good show. It is yeah. a yeah. great show. And of course, you and know, so white people have to ruin it by complaining that there aren't enough white people in it. Fuck you. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I read you an know, entire article about, like, just well, trolls. Like, well, well, you know, what happened to diversity? Uh, well, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's... I see. I watched the show. I enjoy it. I loved. I loved it. I don't. I never saw it as a black, no. quote unquote, black no. show. It's just a very good show. Yeah. But on the other hand, I also see it as kind of a window mm-hmm. into what the, into basically their lives are like, right. what they experience and what they yeah. have, the, their feeling. Absolutely. Like, and it's an invitation. And it's like their invitation is like, come take a look at see what we live with. And it's yeah. Like, Anybody yeah. complaining about diversity in this show can just take a ride down to the center of Harlem, get out, walk around, and ask, why aren't there more white people here to all the locals, and we'll see how that pans out. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've, we've all seen, you know, television movies try to represent black lives to us before. Right. But I think and, this and is... We can, we, can, we can, you know, as a bunch of white suburbanites, we can see that this is definitely... Well, it, it makes it, more sense. I don't want to... I mean, like I said, I, I'm... I'm a white, well, I'm half Latino and white, but... No! I can, You're a bad hombre. I, I'm a bad hombre. No, but it's... It's it's kind of like you you get a sense of... You, you see their world. You don't... Like, I can't say it's authentic. I don't, I'm don't. i not a black right. person. I don't live in Harlem. But from everything I've read and everything, a lot of black people are feel like, yeah, this is authentic. This is what is important to us. And so... It is, yeah. And especially in this day and age... The main character is a big, strong black man who wears a hoodie and is bulletproof. Right. And you know? won't swear. And won't swear, yeah. With and then he starts Of inner city black people over the years. The, the, you know, yeah. garages. And I'm going to say the script is authentic. Mm. They sound like they sound. Yeah. A- and right. the things they talk about, this is just a visual representation of. Right. With a little, it turned up to eleven. Of course, I mean nobody because it's TV. You know, right, well, it's, well, it's a rocket it's a, launchers yeah. tend not to come into the conversation and, very often. And, but we, and, and we won't spoil it. Honky. And we won't spoil ah. it because you guys haven't gotten there yeah, yet. I will say that I will say though, at the end, you know exactly how the defenders is going to form. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It gives is. it drops the biggest. I mean, it, it doesn't just drop a hint. It slaps you across the face yep. and tells you. I am so digging the show, and I'm love, so happy it's getting the attention that it's getting. Love, and it deserves it. I love Rosario Dawson in this show, though. Yep. I mean... Who would have thought that she was going to be the glue that was going to hold all these shows I mean, together? I mean, when, she, when you first see her, you know she's a great character, but I think you see more of her in this show than you yeah. do in this any is, others, and she really has a strong... Can, can yeah. we just take a moment for Turk? Taking one look around and going, this place is crazy. I'm, I'm going, going back to Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back. I'm going back to the place with the with the Punisher and their and Daredevil. I love how Turk is also the glue that holds all the series. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
All right. So before we wrap up, uh, we got to actually we got a couple of people we have to thank. Uh, first of all, uh, for those of you who are not aware, and I was just made aware of this recently, it is Blog Blogtoberfest. <laughs> so um, one of our, our friends of the show, uh, Jackie Stevenson, who yeah. writes at writerjacks.net and at writerjacks on Twitter, um, actually introduced me to uh, a couple of guys, Mitch and Sean from Nerdy Thursday, who have a really funny podcast that they just started a few about a month or, a month or so ago. Cool. Um, and every Thursday, true to form, there's an episode released. So they've got us beat in terms of just consistency <laughs> of, of releasing stuff. Um, there's some really, there is some really good stuff on there, and you can check them out. They do have a uh, Twitter. They actually have a Twitter page as well at uh, Nerdy Thursday. Um, you can check out their stuff at SoundCloud and on iTunes. So definitely sign up for a SoundCloud account just just because you need to. And um, yeah, ch- get, give them a, get check them out. Let them know the Geek Salad sent you. Yeah, send them some twits. Yes, some twits, some tweets, some uh, some tweets. Tweets. So anyway, our next show, which obviously we're not going to be taking any more um, votes for because uh, well, we had technical issues. Um, <laughs> we are going to be talking all about the movie fran- movie franchise of uh, Friday the Thirteenth. So, um, so if you're an, if you're a virgin who's never had sex before, don't start now because you will be <laughs> murdered, sir, <laughs> sir and madam. You will be murdered before you get to consummate. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can check out this episode and that episode at our uh, website geeksalad.podbean.com. You can check us out on the Stitcher app as well as the iTunes Store. Uh, you can also get, uh, get our go- comings and goings at um, Twitter. At Geek Salad Radio and on our Facebook page, which is just Geek Salad Podcast, and uh, you can also email us if you have any show ideas or if you want to get in on this sweet, sweet geek action at Geek uh, Geek Salad Radio at Gmail dot com. So uh, once again, Catherine and Joe, I just want to congratulate you on your on your yes. nuptials. And there was much rejoicing. Yay! Yay. So. Um, until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. I'm also Joe. Thank you, Joe. Go for it and be nerdful. We'll talk to you later. Second thoughts, let's not go to Camelot. It is a silly place. Right. Right.